Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, Twitter came alive with conspiracy theories yesterday. Is there any more fun than a good realignment conspiracy theory? The ESPN, have you, have you ever played the uh, game Hearts where someone tries to shoot the moon? It's a game where typically you try not to take any uh, hearts because they all cost you one point or the Queen of Spades because it costs you 13. Except if you take all the hearts and the Queen of Spades, everybody else gets 26 points and you get zero. It's called shooting the moon. ESPN was going for shoot, shooting the moon. They were trying to monopolize college football and ultimately cutting a lot of teams, Utah and BYU, for sure, cutting them out and just turning it into a little mini NFL with somewhere between, I don't know, 24, 32, maybe 40 teams tops. Just kind of the way they cut some teams out in the uh, in the Big 12. They already pushed CBS out of the SEC. The ACC, desperate little brother, took a long-term deal that they probably shouldn't have taken. And so they had two important properties. And if they could get the SEC to talk the other leagues into, hey, we'll expand the playoffs to 12 teams. We'll let you in. You'll have more access. Uh, because it was under contract, they would have um, liked to have re-up without ever letting that go to market, not letting Fox or CBS or NBC have a shot at it. At which point, they would have been getting pretty close. Let's see. You got two leagues plus half the Big Ten plus the playoff. You're getting pretty close to monopolizing everything. And once you have the monopoly – you can consolidate and cut teams out. And who's going to say anything, especially if all the other broadcast entities have given up on college football? Well, I think uh, there are plenty of people who believe that's what the alliance is all about. All this stuff about academics, blah, blah, blah. The library stuff was an especially fabulous slash hideous touch. And the non-conference games and scheduling a little more, that's just kind of uh, – uh, slicing on the corner of the cake there. But the main part of the deal is they got the votes to stop the restructuring of the playoff until it goes to market and make sure that no one network controls the whole thing. That at least two, if not three networks, stay interested in college football. I will not be surprised at all if in the Pac-12's new deal, Fox and CBS get a big part of things here. Um, and will Fox and CBS... Uh, push ESPN out of the Big Ten. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There'll be politics. There'll be backroom deals. I don't think anything's close to done. I think predicting for sure what is going to happen right now is crazy, except that the networks, I think, realize, whoa, 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 ESPN's engineered a lot of this, and they're going for a monopoly, and we will be in a big-time position of weakness. If you're Illinois and Northwestern and Indiana and Purdue, maybe Iowa and Michigan State, Washington State, Oregon State. Oh, Rutgers, Maryland. <laughs> Two-thirds of the ACC. Yeah, you're in a position of real weakness. So you can't let this happen. You cannot let this happen. So, this you can see where it goes, man. The, the conspiracy theorists were out. Uh, John Wilner, the hammer, as PK likes to call him, was right in the middle of it. There were multiple national guys tweeting about this last night. It was interesting. Somebody talked, clearly. Clearly, somebody talked. Somebody who's... Uh, 
deep in the weeds and conspiracy and <laughs> remaining completely and totally anonymous. They talked. So we'll see where that goes from there. But I think for Utah and BYU, man, if there's a monopoly and this thing gets pared down to 50 teams, to 40 teams, to 36 or 32 teams, yeah, not good. <laughs> and there's no way both Utah and BYU would be in, and I really don't think either one would be. So... There you go. We'll see how that plays out going forward. Um, but it makes the Pac-12 TV, TV negotiations all the more interesting. Which, if the Pac-12 really does embrace, you know, two games to Fox and two games to CBS and two games to the Pac-12 network because nobody wants to watch the bottom feeders. And right now it's Arizona and Oregon State probably a year ago or two years ago. It was Colorado. Uh, for a while it was the Utes. I don't think any of the networks want that. I think that's why the, the Pac-12 and... Big tw- uh, Big Ten networks will continue to exist because, you know, does anybody really want to watch Rutgers? You know, whoever whoever the struggling three-win team is, no thanks. Out. Joe. That was the big news in, uh, in college sports. Oh, and then, of course, locally, um, the Trib reporting and then other people reporting subsequently that uh, the quarterback decision has been made at – at Utah, and it'll be Charlie Brewer. And then uh, Kyle doing his press conference yesterday afternoon. You're going to hear from that uh, in our next segment. Uh, PK was up there and, and talked to some folks. And you'll hear Kyle, you know, we're going to stick with our plan. We'll release the depth chart on Thursday. I guess whoever knows has a 50-50 chance. And then, uh, you know, well, do the players uh, know? Yeah, the players know. Oh, okay. Well, can 100 people keep a secret? Mm, occasionally, not usually. Not frequently, for sure. Um, so, all right, we'll get to all of that coming up. Um, but that was the uh, that was the big news of the day, right there. That and the fact that Tony Finau won on the PGA Tour in a playoff, um, and, and no real drama because uh, you know when you hit your drive down the middle and the other guy hits the drive OB, that pretty much wraps things up right there. So Tony came up big. Um, and I already saw the jokes on Twitter. You know, Tony still can't win on Sunday. I don't know why people love it. Hey, he won a good tournament. There were, there were a lot of big names. and Yeah, he won on a Monday because it was weather on a Sunday. So I guess that's a funny joke. But for Tony Finau, a second win. And you always wonder when somebody breaks through in a situation like this. I've already seen people saying about the Milwaukee Bucks, too. You know, once you get one, does it take the pressure off and you can win more? And I think we've seen that with other teams in the past. It certainly can happen. I think in golf it happened for Phil Mickelson. Um, So we'll see where this goes for Tony. But uh, he gets the win, and he's going to play in the uh, Ryder Cup, and uh, it's a big deal. It's a big win. Big win for uh, Tony Finau. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham and Britton Covey and uh, PK with Brant Keithy. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utes meeting with the media. We are getting so close. A week from Thursday, nine days now to the Utes opener with Weber State. Here is Britton Covey with the media. A good way to scout the defense is to ask players on offense. So, I mean, is that secondary going to be just as nasty as 
builder? Yes. Uh, what's really cool is, you know, you always hear things about Utah defense and how you never worry about the defense, right? Everybody's kind of heard that phrase. And I think a big part of that is because before we even worry about scheme and things, coach focuses on culture. Coach Galley and Shaw, they just say, this is our culture. We are nasty. We're ball hawks. We are this. We're trustworthy. And then once you build that culture, everything speeds up. Um, the learning process speeds up. So uh, you've got a lot of guys that are bought into that. You know, you've got the Clark Phillips to Travis Broughton's of the world, and then you've got the Vontae Davis who's really stepping up. So as long as we fill those pieces that haven't gotten experience um, with skill, but in terms of culture, it's there. Yeah. I, this is might be, I mean, I don't know, you've played in front of crowds and you've also played in front of empty stadiums. Right. You've got teammates on this team that are going to be playing this season who have not played in front of 50,000 fans. Mm -hmm. So for you, or in your opinion, how are these guys going to do in front of a packed house knowing or being that they've never played in front of fans before? Mm -hmm. Or will there not be really any sort of difference? Yeah, I think there will be a difference. Uh, you are a little wide-eyed the first time that you come out. I remember my first game was Michigan, right? It was Jim Harbaugh's first game. Yeah, that was my first ever college game. It was the most intimidating thing in, in the world. But um, I just remember visualizing every single day leading up to the game, imagining it so that when I went out there, it was like I had done it a hundred times in my backyard, right? Visualizing it. So... Uh, I can usually sense what guys are going to feel that, and I try and talk with them early on. Uh, you know, I remember Nate Ritchie last year was pretty nervous, and so I took him to the side. And I think that's kind of on the leader of every position group to realize which guys are going to feel that, which guys will be affected by it, and go seek them out. Make them feel better. Yeah. We saw that they made uh, Cam Rising captain. What about his leadership skills? I think that speaks volumes to things. Uh, Cam has taken charge from, it's really hard to be named captain when coming off of an injury. Let me tell you that. I remember, <laughs> I mean, I even remember I was named captain in 2019, um, but I tore my ACL and I wasn't with the team most of the time because I was doing so much rehab and I didn't get to see the guys. And I remember thinking like, I'm, I, I'm a captain, but I don't feel like one. And that's where I really admire Cam. He's been in rehab all spring, most of the summer, just constantly, and yet he still has taken the time to be with the guys and take that leadership role, get, you know, seven on seven in the summer organized. And uh, the other thing about Cam is he is very jovial. That's, it's not hovial, right? It's jovial. jovial, yeah. jovial. In Spanish, this is English. In Spanish, it would be hovial. So yeah, it's, he's very. <laughs> he's very jovial. Cam, you will never see Cam without a huge smile on his face. To me, he looks like a VeggieTales character. I don't know. He's just constantly smiling with his mustache and his long hair. Um, very approachable, and I'm really proud of him for being named captain. Any concern that sometimes when there's a quarterback battle that uh, teams get divided? If one guy, one group players want this player, one of the other players want that player. Any concern there? Um, not that I can foresee. Uh, I can't. See, I can't foresee any of that happening, especially because Cam is such a good leader and because Charlie is such a good leader. Um, I don't think that it will happen. You know, that usually happens when whoever's named. You know, the backup goes into the locker room and starts, okay. you know, getting guys yeah, yeah. together. And um, 
those guys, neither of them are like that. And I don't think that there would be this, you know, absolute loyalty to one guy because there's loyalty to the team and what we believe will be the best situation. So unless one of them goes into the locker room after not being named the starter to gripe and everything like that, other than that, uh, I don't foresee any of that. And those guys aren't like that. So Plus, in today's college football, you're probably going to lead at least two quarterbacks the way it is anyway. You do. You really do. You saw what happened last year in the mm-hmm. second possession, right? Uh, it's so nice to have two great quarterbacks. Like, it is such a relief. And two quarterbacks who are really good at what we're trying to do this year. I think that's given Coach Ludwig a big, um, taken a big burden off of his shoulders. Because even Cam and Jake were really different players last year mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in capability and things like that. So. so game planning won't change as much no matter who's there? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I really think that game planning would hardly change at all, depending on who's out there. You know Tony Fino at all? Uh, I, I hit a tee shot in front of him at a, at a tournament, hit a little baby fade. I was really embarrassed. Cause 280, 290? Yeah, we'll say. We'll say above. <laughs> did you know he won today? Yes, I was, that was the first thing I did when I got back to my locker was check because I was watching the first 12 holes, then I had to go out for practice. <laughs> I'm the biggest golf fan yeah, that you will yeah, meet, yeah. especially Tony. I, my wife makes fun of me. We watched his tournament last year where he finished second in the tournament in the playoff and I fell on the ground and my wife was just <laughs> laughing at my suffering and so if Tony ever sees this Tony I am your biggest fan and I'm so happy maybe he won because it wasn't Sunday oh there you go yeah. Yeah. first tournament you don't finish on Sunday just, just to follow up on what you, you said Coach Wick got pretty heated when he found out that you know it's the, a rumor snuck out about the quarterback I mean was it one through ten like how, how mad was he uh, I wasn't there when okay. when that happened that's, that's according to uh, one of the other position coaches. Really calm with yeah, that was. A qu- I think that that happened in the morning. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, I think it's more. It's not about what information was leaked. It's just about the fact that it was yeah, leaked. If that makes sense. And so, I have yeah. one more for you. You're named a team captain. You keep bragging about everybody else and all the leadership that they have. But how many times have you been named team captain? And did this one feel any sort of different going into a year where everything's almost back to normal? Yeah. Um, this is my third time being captain, and honestly, of anything that's, football's been great to me in my life, right? And of anything that I've ever done on the football field or anything like that, uh, this is by far the most important thing to me. And so that and then the academic All-American, those are the two most important things that, in regards to football that I feel like I've ever done. And um, I think that it's because guys know where my mindset is and that I'm not about myself, you know, I'm not obsessed with going to the NFL. I'm not obsessed with having a great game. Um, you get to the point where you have to live in the present. I think that's, that's the problem right now with college football. So many guys are living in the future and they do not enjoy what's right in front of them. Um, and then I, I hope that I can bring just an experience level to the team. I understand what it takes to win a Pac-12 championship on the mental side of things. I, I th- that's, that's what I've realized is football, when you get late into the season, is so much more mental than it is physical. And so I hope I can bring that to the guys. But that, it, I don't even have words for what a big honor that is to me. And, um, you know, I don't, 
I don't care about myself. Like, you know, this is all about them and, and the whole team. So there is Britton Cubby. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. So uh, do you have an answer for us on your quarterback? We'll have a depth chart on Thursday, and uh, that's how we're going to handle it. I guess somebody said that somebody made some predictions or think they know what's up. I guess they have a 50-50 shot, so <laughs> they might be right. But, but we'll have a depth chart for you, definitive depth chart on uh, Thursday. I can tell you who our captains are. Mm-hmm. Offensive captains, Britt Covey and and uh, Cam Rising. And on defense, uh, Devin Lloyd and Mika Tafua. And then uh, Keegan Margraff will be the first special teams captain that will rotate each week depending on who has the best special team performance. But he's, he's the one for week one. And so five good selections by our team. Uh, we also have a full 16-man uh, leadership council that uh, I think Maddie's, if she hasn't already released, she will release it. And uh, felt like the players did an outstanding job of selecting their leadership. Since the quarterback battle was so tight, is it all or nothing as far as the starter goes and the backup? Well, we have a one and we have a two. And so we've not uh, historically been a two-platoon uh, system or or uh, rotating guys. Uh, that's not the plan right now. I guess anything's possible, but as of right now, that's not the plan. Does the team know and do the guys know? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, the team knows. Yeah, we announced that uh, in the team meeting today. What was the reaction to the naming the starter? Well, very businesslike and very, you know, it was fortunate things. We got two really good guys, and, and uh, they would support either one. Whichever one gets the call, they're going to rally behind, and, and uh, so that's what we expect. Are you able to say who number three is, Kyle? Not yet. That's still ongoing. We've had some health issues with uh, one of the guys in the battle, and so that's kind of slowed that down. We would have had an answer by now, but uh, we had a guy miss some reps and hopefully we get him back uh, tomorrow. Since the team knows and you obviously don't want other people to know, how come? We just said we'd announce it Thursday and so that's just we'll stick with the plan. You know, just not be wishy-washy, not worry about who thinks they know what out there or whatever. Just stick with our plan and go about our business, not not be reactionary. How do you feel about your offensive line and is it set yet? It's not set yet 100% and the reason is it's because we're not 100% sure who will be available on September 2nd. And so if we knew who would be available, we'd have it set 100%, but we're still kind of working through that and and waiting for a couple guys to get uh, back on the field. So what we see Thursday may not be the case necessarily with the O-line on We'll on have a better, better vision, but there might be a position or two that's an or, depending on uh, you know where we're at with that. Coach, how's the running back situation going right now? Still tight. Four guys, they'll all see action in the game as of now, unless someone dramatically dramatically separates themselves in the next, uh, we've got eight practices. But right now, they all have worked hard. They all deserve reps. And uh, that should play itself out, much like it did last year. Are you okay with that being decided in, in a couple of games? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, as long as we're getting the production. It doesn't matter who's giving it to us, as long as we have it. And it's not uh, like the quarterback position where you want continuity and and it's so important. I mean, you want continuity everywhere, but it's not critical like it is at QB or O-line. Now that, now that camp's over, are you more, is it more light work as far as practice goes? Yes and no. Today was a very light day, but we still have a couple, two or three heavy days before we line up and play, full padded heavy days. But uh, we'll start to taper off after the weekend. And, of course, it's a short week uh, as far as playing on Thursday. So so in that regard, we'll, we'll make sure we have them fresh. The coaches will do their job making sure they're fresh. And then when do you guys start prep on Weber? Oh, it started. It started. started a week ago. Yeah, we broke into scout teams a week ago today and started that. Have you guys finalized uh, the Ty Jordan scholarship yet? No, that's uh, something now that we have the leadership council in place. First order of business with them tomorrow is to talk about that and and bounce ideas off them, see if they have ideas on how we want to go about it and, and, uh, you know, what the criteria exactly they want it to be. And we purposely left it for for them to uh, have a bunch of input on that. But we'll know who it is before game one.
I think you did this a couple years back. You had Troy Williams was a captain and didn't start. And I know you don't want to name the starter, but yeah. if it's not rising, uh, you're comfortable and, with and him. He was a captain last year, too, and didn't start. Okay, there so, you go. So, so it's, it's not awkward. It's not uncharted territory if that's the way it goes down. But but uh, I told the team, hey, we don't vote for the, the funniest guy or the, you know, the guy that's your friend. And you vote for the best leaders. And I think that's what they did. I know that's what they did. Devin Lloyd made another preseason All-American team today. Good for Second him. team AP. You've coached a lot of linebackers. You played it. What, what's maybe the trait that really sets him apart or makes him a special linebacker? Just his relentlessness towards the game, his, his passion for preparation, for perfection. He wants to be the best, and he's, he's as driven as anybody I've ever coached uh, in manifesting it. He doesn't just talk about it. He does it. He's in the film room constantly. He's out after practice, you know, first one to get there, last guy to leave type of a deal. And so he just doesn't talk about it. He does it. He's all about it. Have you heard anything about this potential alliance between the Pac-12 and a couple other conferences? And if so, you have any thoughts? I uh, just heard bits and pieces. Mainly, it's, to me, it sounds like just a scheduling alliance. I'm not sure if it goes beyond that. Uh, so I don't have any thoughts. I don't. I haven't had time to really pay attention to that. I'm sure when it gets serious and we're starting to get to the point where uh, it's reality and something's going to happen, I'm sure I'll get filled in. But right now, I'm just trying to get the team ready. You've had a lot of continuity in your coaching staff the last few years. What's that been like to be able to kind of keep your team at a high level so far? Oh, it's great. It's it's critical. And, and being able to have continuity and consistency and, and carry over, that's that's ideal. And and uh, we had the one uh, wide receiver coach turnover this year, but that was a smooth transition. Chad has been here before in our system and knows exactly what what the culture is and what the expectations are. And so, But that's a positive as long as you got good coaches. I mean, if you have a bunch of lousy coaches and they're around forever, that's probably not ideal. But, but I think we got very good coaches. We have an unusual situation where a lot of kids were first-time players last year and nobody played in front of a crowd. And then hopefully that's the plan this year. Have you done anything to prepare them for that? No, nothing we really can do. We just see we, everyone reacts a little bit differently when the when the uh, lights are on and it's it's uh, you know everything's live and the crowd's there. But but uh, you know we can't. I guess we could hire fifty thousand people to come sit in there. I don't know. We didn't do that. Maybe I should have taken that approach. But but uh, my guess is they'll handle it pretty good. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham, and uh, he's going to stick to his plan. He's not going to be reactive. Show no weakness, ever, ever, ever. Uh, that's Kyle Whittingham. All right, now here's PK. He got uh, Brent Keithy for a few minutes. Here's their conversation. So why isn't the stud tight end all-conference not voted team captain? That's got to make you better, <laughs> uh, Not really. Um, I don't really try and play into any of that stuff. If I get voted, I get voted. If I don't, I don't. But I'm just happy to be a part of leadership, and um, I'm just happy to lead in any way I can. Even if I didn't have a title, I would still play in that leadership role just because I don't think you really need a title or a role to be that type of person. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I've seen plenty of guys who aren't captains, but yet they end up being leaders on teams because they just have that ability, yeah. and plus they have good production. That's mm-hmm. where you feel you are? Um, yeah, uh, in a sense, yes. I, also, it is nice to have that role and have that title, but um, I think a lot of people um, kind of want that title and don't really use it like, they're sh- like they should do it, but um, I mean, for myself, I, I don't think I really need a title just just to be a leader and whatnot. And if, if I had it, if I didn't, I wouldn't really care. A lot of veterans on this team. Can you speak to that as far as the leadership goes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> can you can you repeat that? A lot of leadership. Britton Covey just walked in and said something dumb as he normally does. Uh, a lot of leadership on this team. Uh, you you have a number of young guys, but yeah. yet you got a, a particular on offense. You got a lot of guys who've been around the program for a number of years. I mean, how good is that to have that much experience? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's awesome to have a lot of guys coming back, especially Mika, Devin, and, and a lot of guys like that. Uh, it's great to have them back, just as a leadership role, and just to guys to have their back. And I think it's great that we have so many young guys, which I know it's it's a negative for a lot of teams, but it's great for us just because this is the new generation that's coming in. Plus, all these guys can help us win a game, win a championship, whatnot. So it's great to have the guys that we have coming back and the guys that are stepping up and also the newer generation coming. Now, you've nice. been here and played before fans. you got a lot of guys who have playing experience, obviously the five games, but no fans last year. How do you think it's going to be for them? Because it might be a little different mm-hmm. to see a bunch of people, 50,000 people, yeah. all of a sudden after having zero. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be a change. Uh, I think for a home game, it's a lot better just because it's the home crowd and depending on what side of the ball you are, it helps. But especially for a away game, it's definitely going to change for the guys on offense and whatnot. But I think it'll just take them a couple games. Uh, for me, I, I know it took maybe one or two games, so I, I wouldn't expect any less for anybody else. Now, I'm not going to ask you to give up anything because they don't want the quarterback being announced, but Kyle said that the team knows, so obviously you know. Can you just break down the strengths of both guys? Uh, yeah, both of them can throw and run it. Uh, I think that's as simple as I can put it. Um, Charlie has a lot of experience and Cam just has the trust of the players. He's been here for two, three years and um, I think that's the best I can describe both of them. And uh, I mean, they, they trust us as individuals and receivers, no matter what you are, running back, receiver, tight end, whatnot. Um, they just trust to throw it up and no matter if it's one-on-one coverage, no matter what, they trust us and I think that's the biggest factor. Sometimes you hear when it's a close battle and Coach Whittingham said it was neck and neck that you might have guys who are in practice every day well, I like this guy. I like that guy. What's the situation with this team? Um, I would definitely say it was neck and neck. Um, there wasn't a clear-cut guy that you could see who was going to be picked. And uh, I think the decision was, I think the decision was made how it was going to be made. And um, can't disagree and, and whatnot. It's just how it was. So there wouldn't be any sense of guys picking favorites, though, once the decision is made and have some kind of carryover effect. Um... I'm sure that could happen, but um, as of right now, I, I don't see it. At the same time, it's not your job to pick the starting quarterback. So, and when when you break it down to the, you know, down to the crux of it, do you really care? Um, yes and no. Uh, I know it's not our decision to pick the starting quarterback, but to have influence and. In, the guy who's going to be leading us out in the field, it would be nice to have a little bit of input, but at the end of the day, it's um, they have the best interest for us, and whoever they pick is is going to be the one who takes us out on the field. Now, you've been around long enough to know that uh, you probably need two quarterbacks during the course of the season. You just never know what's going to happen. Would somebody like you, who's a veteran guy and got that leadership that people respect, make sure that the, the other guy who's not the starter is still into it? To, because he's at some point, he may yeah. very well be called on. Yeah, uh, I don't think at all in this situation that, I mean, no matter who gets picked, um, is definitely going to be bummed out, but I don't think there's going to be a situation about someone leaving. I, I just don't see it. Um, I think they're going to keep their head high, and whoever it is, and they're going to be ready whenever their name is called. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mean leaving, but just, oh, yeah. you know, it, mm-hmm. he might sulk or pout. I don't yeah. know if those are the right 
words. Yeah, I, no, I don't. I don't see it. I think they're just going to wait patiently and just wait for the number to be called. And when it's called, they're going to be ready. How excited just are you for a regular season to have it because you didn't have it last year? Oh, super excited. Um, last year was just kind of a blur, just without the whole season and not having fans. Uh, it wasn't bad, honestly. I, I didn't think it was bad, just not having the distraction of the fans, but having them back and kind of bring the energy back to rest and just everywhere else, it's going to be real nice. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's PK with Brant Keithy. All right, when we come back, Las Vegas becoming a player. They got the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Now they've got the Pac-12 title game. They've got the Pac-12 in the Las Vegas Bowl. They've brought in the NHL, they brought in the NFL, and now they've been linked to Major League Baseball and the Athletics by the guy who runs the Athletics. How serious is that? Uh, Mark Anderson and Mark's conversation with the Pac-12 commissioner as well. Mark's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, and we are joined by Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. We have many things to discuss with you. Uh, mostly Pac-12, but you might have a Major League Baseball question or two based on some of the headlines sure. from the weekend. Uh, but I'm just really curious how much this surprises you, because I think you're coming up on, well, it's more than 20 years. You might be coming up on a quarter of a century in Las Vegas, and everything seems to be changing very quickly in the world of sports in Las Vegas. It's like a different town. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I've been here since '99, so you're you're correct. Um, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, if you told me and like moved, moved here, uh, how much the city? I'm not shocked. We eventually got a pro team um, because I figured at some point that was going to happen the way the city was growing. Um, but you know, to have the NFL here, I never thought would happen. And now, you know, there's still you now there's talk of the A's. There's talk about the NBA is a real possibility. Um, I'm not sure we can support three or four teams, but who knows? But it's, uh, it's, it's, it is pretty incredible. Yeah, the thing that's got me nervous, Mark, is I am not going to be heading south out of uh, Vegas on I-15 on Sunday after Raider games. Man, the traffic already is miserable. <laughs> I can only imagine right. what that's going to be. We didn't have it last year because of no fans, but this year it's, it's just going to be incredible. Oh yeah, I know you're right. That Sunday, uh, whether you're going to LA or Phoenix on the, on that Sunday or up to Salt Lake on that Sunday, it's just it's just uh, horrible. But <laughs> well, LA's already horrible on a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, to put a football crowd on top of that, I've seen that thing. At par- I used to live in Southern California. It was a parking lot. Yeah. Everybody has stories about it. Everybody yeah. makes that oh, mistake yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through from LA to Las Vegas and t- took uh, took us seven hours to get here. Oh god, that was not fun. That was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> what should be for? You know, the thing that caught my eyes the other day, you had an interview with George Klyakov, uh, the uh, 
Quack 12 commissioner. I assume, Mark, that you have a relationship with him because of his presence for the time that he worked in Los Angeles. And I not only saw your story in the Review Journal, I also saw it being quoted in several different places, media outlets over the weekend. So it got a lot of buzz. Uh, and we talked about it the other day. And I said, we got to get Mark on to have him talk about it. Um, the thing that there was plenty of stuff in there that caught my eye, but he was talking about the expansion potentials. And he said, you know, it's the schools that you would think of that have contacted the Pac-12, which we assume the, the remaining eight of the Big 12. But then he also said, and plus there'll be some that I think you would be surprised by, and that shot up our antennas. What do you think he meant by that latter statement? Yeah, the, I, I wasn't sure what to make of that either. Um, you have to figure any group of five schools reaching out to them, at least on, in the west western part of the United States. But I'm wondering if maybe there's like a big ten, couple of Big 10 schools out there, maybe a couple of ACC schools out there. Um, who are that are, are putting fewer out to the Pac-12? Because when he says those, because you wouldn't expect schools from those conferences maybe to be reaching out. So that's what makes me wonder. Uh, maybe like there's a, maybe there's a couple schools in the ACC that are looking at their situations like. Because I think they get that really long contract at ESPN. They're like, you know, what's the what's the what's the big play here? Is this are we going to just wait out this long contract while everyone else moves forward. I mean, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But that's that's kind of my suspicion because, like I said, you would expect with the five schools, you, as, as you pointed out, all the big big 12 schools are, are looking to do something. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's not the only thing I can really figure. So when he talks, and you went down an interesting line with him, and a lot of it's been covered, but the whole in-bent, in-game betting thing seems like it's about to explode. Your ability to bet on your phone legally in a lot of places and to bet on you know quarter by quarter, inning by inning, uh, maybe even possession by possession, I don't know where this is going, that seems like a massive new revenue stream, and he seemed really dialed into it. And I thought his answer to you was really careful, not just legalized and all that, but he mentioned and taxed. For all of you on the fence, think about how much tax money your local city or state might be getting. Absolutely, and I think that's part of the big selling point. Um, you know, the big the, the argument that Las Vegas has made for years and years is, that sports betting is is, um, is you know, there's there's regulation here that it's it's harder to fix games here than it is places where it's, where you, it's illegal. But, and if you looked at most of the the um, point shaving scandals, really pretty much all of them they're from outside of Nevada. Um, so I think now most places are have come around to that thinking as well, and they realize that if. If you really want to monitor it, you have to legislate it or, or you know, regulate it. And then if you can take make money on top of it, <laughs> you know that I think that gets people really thinking. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think uh, at some point it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be legal everywhere. And uh, you know, it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like uh, marijuana in that regard, where it's becoming. State, uh, different states are realizing, you know, you can actually make money off taxing this thing. So I think that's kind of where you're, you're seeing that heading. So I've been reading a lot about Klyovkov. It was an out-of-the-box hire. Didn't know much about him until he got hired as they uh, announced it to succeed Larry Scott. 
uh, was down in Los Angeles last month. We broadcast all day on Pac-12 Media Day. He came on. Seems like a real affable guy who has a good sense of humor and all that stuff. Uh, why do you think that the Pac-12 was interested in him as the commissioner, and what does he bring? Well, he, he's he's done some work on the sports side. He was one of the big drivers in helping Las Vegas land some NCAA championship events, including uh, the, uh, a, uh, not a Final Four, but a, a men's basketball regional and a Frozen Four uh, hockey uh, final, version of the Final Four. So he was he was pretty big behind that. MGM, of course, is a huge property. Um, he sees it not he's handled not only the sports side, he's handled the entertainment side. And he, and he understands the importance of uh, you know, selling things to fans, to spectators. So I think I think the Pac-12, especially when you look at the TV deal and how they really need to get that going, get make the Pac-12 more visible. I think they, he, I think he probably brought some ideas ideas to them that showed he can get it done. So uh, it was, you know, it's definitely a, a an out of the box hire. I don't know this hire gets made ten years ago, maybe not even five years ago. But I think that where the Pac-12 is now, and where you also see, as we talked about the league like sports betting and his background there, I think uh, I think the time was just right for him. Mark Anderson joining us, sports reporter for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, has a long interview. You can find it online and read it with the Pac-12's new commissioner. And I, I thought one thing Kalavka kind of hinted at was that the league gets well compensated for playing in that fourth TV window, that late-night game that is 8.30 Mountain Time and causes fans here to grind their teeth. Uh, but he also made the point uh, well, it's really valuable to the networks because they're the only Power Five league that can play in that t- in that window. It costs them when it comes to Heisman Trophy. It costs them when it comes to perception because by halftime it is midnight on the East Coast and only yeah. the really hardcores are hanging in there. So he definitely is signaling that he wants some guaranteed earlier time slots. Uh, CBS has just lost the SEC. Whether they get the deal or not, will it force? Fox or ESPN to guarantee them some earlier time slots, or might they send part of the package to CBS so that they're guaranteed something while the rest of the country's awake? Yeah, and I think my suspicion is what's going to happen. They'll probably still have games at that time slot because that is such a wide open window in, in the West Coast, and you do you, you know you're right you're you're cutting up the East Coast audience, but you, your primary target really is the West Coast, and there are people who want to still want to see games that uh, at that time, so I still think that's probably going to happen but what's my my suspicion is is you're going to see more of a push for earlier games where maybe teams don't will play a limited number of games at night um and they'll play more games earlier so they can get that exposure so that's probably what they're aiming for some sort of in between where you uh you, you, where you get both, um, you can still get the get the more, heavier money for the night games, but but uh, but not so much that you're you're hurting yourself in the long run. I'm wondering what the hardcore Vegas people, the ones who have ties to UNLV, you know, the Tina Kunza Murphys of the world, uh, think of the Pac-12 coming into a town, uh, coming into Vegas, and establishing a presence because we know they're going to have the Pac-12 basketball, Pac-12 title football, uh, the bowl game is going to be involving Pac-12 teams, uh, maybe at the expense of overshadowing UNLV, I guess, to say. How, how is that perceived in the Vegas area? 
Uh, I mean, you know, be frankly, has really dropped down, uh, not not just because of the Pac-12, but the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Uh, and now, if you get another, another pro sports team or two, it's going to be even more. I mean, you know, be is. I hate to, it's really sad to say, but it's, it's it's quickly becoming an afterthought. And and you know, when you have a small team that's well, zero and six last season, a basketball team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament, and I want to say twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, something like that. You know, they're they're just they're not doing anything on their end to to get attention. And if they were good, I I think you'd have much more interest. But that's just that's just the reality of UNLV right now. And you know, the Pac-12 is here. You know, this they don't they don't need UNLV. I know that a lot of UNLV fans are are really hoping the Pac-12 will invite them one day. I don't really see why the Pac-12 needs to invite UNLV because the Pac-12 is already in the Las Vegas market. So they, they're they're here without have, needing the team to be here. Well, one day you can have uh, Ed Graney write a, a big series on this. On he knows how San Diego State got over, overshadowed by the Chargers and the Padres, and it sounds like it's the same thing that's happening to UNLV. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely, and that's a good point about Ed. You're right. He he went to San Diego State, so he he knows. He knows uh, it's a very similar deal there, but the difference of San Diego State now. One thing they've got one less mark with the Chargers out of there, right. but also their basketball team has been so good, and so you know it's become a national power consistently, and so um, they they do get a lot of attention. Even the football team, you know, has, has been consistently good for a long time. So I, it's it's not quite apples to apples, but it, it's you know. But that's what you—that's what you have. I mean, you probably in Salt Lake somewhere with the Jazz, right? It's that BYU and Utah has such strong bases that they're—they're you know, they're always going to draw draw a lot of crowds. So we got a new coach in Vegas, and what they're going to play some games, if not all, in the new stadium. That's not going to generate any buzz. Yeah, all, all yeah, they're all games at the Allegiant Stadium. So. Um, they just—they got to start winning. That's, if they want to get any attention from fans or media, they got to start winning. I mean, it's—I it's, like say it's that simple. Obviously, it's not simple when you're talking about UNLV football, uh, but it's—that's—that's that's what they got to do. They got to start winning, and that's the only thing that's going to get people interested. Until that happens, if that ever happens, they're just going to—they're just going to sort of be there. Yeah, the history of uh, college teams playing in NFL stadiums is not good. There's a couple. There's a couple success no. stories, but there's a lot of them that are are not good. Uh, and no. so now you've got one, and everyone's driven down the freeway and seen it. Uh, you've got one uh, domed professional stadium, and now we hear the talk from from the A's. Is is there the money and the interest in Vegas to build another dome stadium? Well, I'm I'm really skeptical on that. Um, there's still a lot of controversy about how much money the uh, public money the Raiders got to build Allegiant Stadium. People still aren't, even though most of it comes from from really pretty much all of it comes from tourism. People aren't crazy about that kind of money being put into a, a stadium. So there's really little appetite to do it again and then you throw a pandemic on top of it I, I just don't see I don't know where the A's will get the money from I really don't and so if you notice they restarted talks with the city of Oakland about two or three weeks ago I think that's probably why is because they realize that they, their best situation still might be in the Bay Area as far as getting financial help um, but they are scheduled to come back down here so we'll see uh, you know, maybe they can be creative and work something out where uh, they can get something built. I just don't know how much public money they're going, if any, they'll be able to get for it. 
Speaking of that pandemic, how much is Vegas back open? Oh, it's fully open. Um, they've now they've reinstituted some restrictions recently with the uh, surge. But uh, you have to have mask indoors, and now you have different properties. I think MGM recently announced that all new employees and uh, all management have to be vaccinated. So you're you're th- having things like that happen. But as far as people wanting to come here and visit, there's really very little change. So, uh, you know, poker and, you know, keep the poker face and all that. Are people playing poker masked yeah. up? I mean, what's going on? How does that work? I think, yeah, yeah, I think they have to. I mean, you know, when they made the mask optional, of course, that really meant that people weren't going to wear them. Um, but, yeah, now that you indoors, you have to wear them. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been inside a casino in quite some time. Um, so I, I don't know how strict they're being as far as enforcing that. It may depend on the casinos and all that. I mean, it's really hard to enforce. I mean, you've got thousands of people, and it's hard to go to enforce everyone that wears one, but uh, maybe they are, but I couldn't tell you. You going to cover Arizona BYU? Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm covering. We'll probably. I'm sure we'll have someone there, but I don't. I don't believe I'll be there at night. How, how's the stadium look from the inside? Uh, sta- so, you know, it's it's interesting. It's got the interesting lighting. The, the the green grass just really just pops. Um, so it's 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 really nice. I, um, yeah, I I I've heard. I've you know I haven't been to other NFL stadiums very much, but I heard, I guess, Minnesota's probably like the, and, and SoFi Stadium in LA are like the, the gold standards, and I guess this is like just like a run below from, from what I'm hearing. So how many more early season college football games are getting scheduled into Las Vegas? Is, uh, is Arizona and BYU the start of a trend, or is it going to be kind of a rare thing? No, they want to make that a, a pretty regular thing. You know, sort of a, a Make this uh, make this something they do probably annually. Get to uh, get two two name teams in here, and and uh, you know because I you know let's be honest with you, this game's going to draw more than your average UNLV game. So uh, I think I think uh, I think you're going to if, if they can make it work every year, I think they'll they'll they'll, they'll do that. Even look at what they've done with basketball; they've had marquee basketball matchups in here uh, every uh, early season. Um, it's all obviously harder to do with football, but but that's that's what they want to do in both sports. They want to have top top programs in both sports here every year. Well, PK would love to see you at that uh, Arizona BYU game just to hear you say. So that's what this place looks like full. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. remember it, but I... <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, it was it was the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's what it took to fill up Sandboy Stadium. It was uh, I don't remember which Las Vegas BYU think played in thirteen straight Las Vegas. Yeah, Bowl. I think it was the first one, <laughs> and you said it in a quiet moment. And the thing there was a bunch of out of towners like me who laughed, and there was a bunch of Vegas people who kind of silently laughed. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. That was, that, you know, that was the game that saved the Las Vegas ball. Exactly. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, if you remember Las Vegas ball was yeah. really, there was, in fact, I even written about it, it was, there were real questions about whether it was going to survive and uh, BYU saved the Las Vegas ball. And, 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 uh, you know, I know Tina Kunzer-Murphy got a lot of credit and she probably deserved a lot, but, but if, uh, if BYU doesn't come in that year, right. I, I'm not sure the game's still being played. Yeah. 
I remember watching a Utah State Ball State Las Vegas Bowl. Ball State <laughs> brought 12 people. I think Utah State brought about 5,000. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and tonight's attendance is 5,028. Um, and I watched uh, San Diego State, North Carolina, which was played in like 60 mile an hour winds. Both punters oh, yeah. had like zero yard punts. Uh, my dad was at the game and said that keeping the sand out of his hot chocolate was like the big, <laughs> the big challenge. He and my grandfather were there and they said they were just holding on. Man. He said, I just, I just need to make it back to the bus. Man, this is brutal. So uh, yeah. it was. It's definitely a different era for the Las Vegas Bowl. That's for sure. Oh, it is. I mean, now you got you got the uh, what the, the number three Pac-12 team, I think, or number two. I don't. I remember think it's the three because I think they're trying to avoid bringing a team back that's been in the title game. Okay, yeah, and then against uh, either SEC or Big Ten each year. So yeah. that's you know that's, that's a different era. Before this game's come. Yeah, it's a different era. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us and talking all things Las Vegas. It's uh, it's like a home away for home from Utah sports fans. It really doesn't matter. BYU fans, yeah. Utah fans. I think uh, all Jazz fans agree we're happy you're keeping your grubby hands off the Jazz, though. That was a that was a dark <laughs> era in the '80s, but that, that's gone now. Yeah, that's a, that was definitely on Salt Lake's team now. So, yep. yeah, I think I think I think we're getting the NBA team maybe sooner than later. Who knows? But uh, it won't be the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, there's Mark Anderson. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.